I wanted to ask you about Ryan Izzo and what you've seen from his progression and, and just how key it was for him to be able to fight through some adversity and give you some quality snaps yesterday. Um, yeah, that was very important with, um, you know, James was inactive and Lacoste was inactive. Um, so uh, it was certainly good to have Ryan out there. Um, he's, you know, shown good toughness playing through um, some, uh, you know, being a little bit, uh, banged up, but he's been out there, and um, you know, I thought he certainly gave us some, you know, some important plays yesterday. Um, you know, young player, a lot of things he needs to continue to work on, but he works hard. He's out there, you know, trying to do all he can every day to get better, and so he's making progress. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, next question, Mike Petragnus, followed by Mike Tierney. Hi, Coach. How are you? Good, man. Uh, I wanted to ask you along uh, Jim's uh, line of questions about Ryan and the play-action path um, uh, early in that game. And, and uh, obviously, Ryan and Tom made it look so easy, but what are the details that go into selling that play correctly? And um, if you could, Ryan's role in um, selling that play to get himself so wide open. Um, yeah, Mike, I think it's really pretty much the way you described it. It's, it's play action, it's hard run action, and then it becomes a pass after that. So, you know, just the element of being aggressive and and selling the run and then the timing of releasing and uh, being able to, to get into the open space before the uh, the guys who are playing the run can get to the quarterback. That was a very well executed play and, you know, well designed by Josh. We'll go Mike Giardi, uh, followed by Tom Keaton. Bill, Bill, you described at various points uh, during your tenure here as players in, in different categories, ascending, descending, you know, guys that are sort of steady. Where does Philip Dorsett fit into that, into that sort of uh, system, if you will? Well, Philip's done a great job for us. He's been um, versatile and very dependable. Uh, his role's changed. Um, many times, um, he's played inside, he's played outside, he's played on early downs, he's played on third down in two minutes. Um, you know, he's been kind of a motion player uh, or a perimeter player. So, Phil's really got a good skill set. He's he's very smart, very dependable, and um, you know, he's just come through for us um, week after week. You know, year after year, uh, at many critical junctures and in games and in seasons. And sometimes his roles change during the game or certainly from game to game. Uh, but we can even be in a game and uh, like yesterday and, you know, when Julian uh, went out, you know, Phil's role changed a little bit on certain plays, but he's, he's very well prepared and has great position versatility and, and a mental flexibility to handle a lot of different uh, roles and assignments. So he's very, very valuable player for us. Bill, if I may, with a quick follow on that, he, he came in as a, you know, with a reputation of being a speed receiver. Just how have you seen him grow as a, you know, as a technician, if you will, in route running and even, it appears, improving his hands? Yeah, again, Phil works very hard on um, whatever you ask him to do. So whatever the, whatever the role is or the route or the assignment, um, he, he works very hard to, 
understand what you want and take extra time to uh, refine his skills and, and practice it to get it better. Uh, I mean, I have a ton of respect for Phil and his approach to the game. I think everybody else around here does too, all the players and staff members. Just he's so professional the way he goes about things and you know, always wants to try to do what's best for the team. Um, and we see that you know, every day on the practice field and, and around the building. Uh, so in a lot of different areas, but he's, you know, scout team, whatever you need him for. And then whatever he's asked to do on Sunday, he, you know, he's always well prepared and gives you the best. And uh, that's all you can ask for. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome, Mike. Uh, next question, Tom Keegan, followed by Mike Reese. Uh, what, what are some of the toughest challenges for a, a rookie wide receiver? And how do you think uh, Jacoby Myers is going about learning? Yeah, well, Tom, it, it's, you know, the transition from, uh, you know, college to the NFL at that position is, is a big one. Um, a lot more coverages, a lot tighter coverage, a lot more route adjustments because of the variety of coverages and techniques and, you know, leverage and so forth that um, the defenders will play. You know, like yesterday, uh, the Jets played a lot of, uh, cover two, but they they had two or three different ways of, of the way they played it, um, and it kind of looks the same, but it's not the same, and it really can affect the receiver's rules and his adjustments uh, because it just it looks differently. So you know, experience and um, understanding concepts and understanding uh, route concepts and route coverages are. A big that's a big area of growth um, for the for the passing game in general, whether it's receivers, tight ends, backs in the passing game, quarterbacks, and all the guys that defended on the other side of the ball. Um, but Jacoby works hard, and he's another guy that's done everything we've asked him to do. Um, he's taken a lot of snaps. He's out there every day. He's a tough kid, um, and he just keeps working hard, and and he get you know he gets better. Um, he's improved quite a bit. Still got a long way to go. Um, a lot of and a lot of football in front of him, but he's you know he's made good, steady progress, and you know if he continues to go about things with so that same kind of work ethic and and positive attitude and you know thirst for knowledge, that then he'll he'll continue to get better. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, Tom. Uh, next question, Mike Reese, followed by Max Rulo. Thanks. Uh, Bill, you, you, the team was assigned Jakob Johnson on April 8th as part of that international pathway program. And, and when he was promoted Saturday, it, I was curious just to learn more on if he was a player that you think might have been on the radar as a free agent signing or if his promotion is really um, a reflection of that international program um, helping a player that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been on the radar first have an opportunity and give himself a chance to improve to get that promotion. Um, do, you, do you see what I'm you know, saying there? Yeah, 100%, Mike. It, it's a great question. And um, I want to try to answer it the right way. Um, first of all, no, he, he was not on our radar. I don't think we would have ever signed him. Um and 
when there were the players who were kind of listed, uh, there were a group of players that fell into this category, and, and we looked at that group. It was kind of like, is there anybody here you want? Um, and so um, based on uh, some research and uh, follow-up uh, at Tennessee, um, it really Butch, uh, Butch recommended him to me. Um, and we didn't really know much about the other guys, and um, I can't say that we, we were excited to have him. Uh, but based on what Butch said, you know, felt like he was a, a good player to work with, um, would work hard, would really try to get better, um, you know, was a good teammate and all those things uh, that he had showed at Tennessee. And I would say he he definitely started out as the 91st player on the roster um, and had a long, long, long way to go back in the spring. I, I don't think anybody ever envisioned him being on the roster at that point or even being on the practice squad, to tell you the truth. But he continued to get better, and he certainly his physicality and his toughness showed up in the preseason games and in the preseason practices, you know, against uh, Detroit and Tennessee. And so, you know, he steadily worked his way into, to call it a backup fullback role, and and was activated for the game yesterday. So he's, um, I wouldn't say it was it'd be quite a Steve Neal. Uh, rise but you know somewhere in that neighborhood it's what he's done has been remarkable and in a relatively short period of time but he's he works extremely hard he's one of the first players here every morning uh he studies his note cards you see him sitting in the dining room just studying note cards going over his plays um he puts literally every ounce of energy he has into into this job and into our team, and uh, he's totally earned everybody's respect and uh, for that. Um, he's a young player. He's got a long way to go. There's a lot of room for improvement, but he works very hard at it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Mike. Uh, next question, Max Rulo, followed by Phil Perry. Hi, Bill. Um, wanted to ask about the run defense. Um, just wanted to get your take on what are the key elements needed to uh, have a successful run defense, and what have you seen from your group that's made it so successful so far? Uh, well, it's, you know, again, run, run defense is team defense, so you need everybody doing their job against a good back, especially against a guy like Bell um, you know, or Drake last week or guys like that. They only need one. You know, they only need one hole to get through, and they don't need three or four. So everybody's got to do a good job. It starts with, you know, all offensive coordinators are, uh, you know, Adam and Chad and uh, Randy from Pittsburgh game and Coach Dable this week at Buffalo. They all have good schemes, and everybody's going to be blocked. It's not like there's going to be any free players there. So it really comes down to defeating blockers and, and doing a good job of tackling. Um, and all the different schemes and everything that you can draw up, they're all relevant, but in the end, um, you know, you've got to defeat blocks and, and be able to defend space and, and tackle a guy with the ball. So 
we have a lot of good players. The reason what anything that we do that's good is because we have good players and they play well and they execute the, the defense on the field. So that's that's really what defensive football is about. It's about teamwork and you know, total team execution and good players. And so we're fortunate we have have good players and, and they've played well. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, two final questions. We'll do Phil Perry and Mike Petraglia. Go ahead, Phil. Hey, Bill. wanted to uh, follow up on something that, that Rick Burke had said uh, yesterday afternoon after the game. Uh, mentioned that maybe he could be a little bit more decisive in, in how he's attacking um, his carries as a runner. And just wanted to ask you, obviously, no Devlin yesterday. How does, how does not having a fullback as part of the mix maybe impact the decisiveness of your running backs, and have you viewed running back decisiveness overall as, as something that um, maybe has limited the production in the running game thus far? All right. Well, I think the running game offensively mirrors the run run defense that we just talked about. So, um, again, it comes down to team execution, and that includes everybody. It includes the you know, the point of attack blockers, the backside blockers, uh, all the perimeter players, tight ends, receivers, um, and possibly a lead back or not a lead back. I mean, sometimes we have those players on our running plays, and sometimes we don't. Uh, so that's not a it's not like every run comes with a fullback, um, but some do and some don't. Or or a, a lead back doesn't have to be a fullback, but some type of lead back player. So that's um you know, each play is its own entity and the blocking and the the reading of the blocks and all that, even though you run the same play over and over again, and that's why some coaches, um, and rightfully so, believe in just repetition, 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 Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler and guys like that. I mean, run the same play over and over and over again for year after year, but it's, each play is a little bit different. And uh, the recognition and the timing between the blockers and the runner and the defense and the leverage they have and the space that's created uh, is all that's different on every play. It's the same. There's the general, you know, there's a general framework, but it's different on every play. So we just have to do a better job of, you know, executing our, our running game and and um, you know, just trying to get a little more production out of it. But, I mean, in the end, if we can throw a, throw the ball and, and move the ball and score points, that's fine, too, if that's what's available. But, I mean, at some point, we're going we're gonna to need to, you know, improve, improve our running game, and so we'll keep working on it. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, you're welcome, Phil. Uh, final question, Mike Petraglia. Kind of along the lines of uh, what uh, you just answered to Phil about the repetition versus working as a coaching staff to disguise runs. What is the balance there, especially early in a game, if you feel like maybe the holes aren't there and we got to do something to loosen up uh, and uh, maybe, you know, the opposite of play action pass, uh, show pass, and maybe run like a draw play. How much discussion is there? in the coaching staff uh, with regard to that? Yeah, well, there's always there's always um, a discussion in your game plan for complementary plays. So, 
you know, runs and play actions and passes and draws and screens and things like that. Plays that complement each other. You know, I think anytime you're doing, um, you know, a good amount of one, you you want to make sure that you have a complementary play to go with it or more than one play to go with that. So, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, in the end, whatever play you call, you know, it has to have a, a design that allows it to be competitive against the defense or the offense, whichever way it's going, and then it has to be executed well. So, look, there are some plays that just have no chance if you're in a a bad coverage against a certain pattern or if you're in a bad running play against a certain defense. It's just, you know, I don't care. It's just not going to go well. So that's something that, you know, we have to try to, as a coaching staff, prevent at all costs where we just don't have a chance on the play. Um, and then there may be occasionally some plays where you have a, an advantage, and hopefully you can exploit that. But, you know, the majority of the plays really come down to, you know, it's a pretty even fight, and it comes down to execution. And so that's – and team execution, not not always one-on-one -on -one execution, especially not in the running game. Um, but it just comes down to team execution. And so we're going to continue to work hard to improve that execution all the way across the board. Um and as far as the play calling, though, there's, yeah, I mean, there's always a, an element of balance in there. You know, if something's going well, you want to, you don't want to just give up on it. And if it's going well, but on the other hand, there's a, a point where you want to have a complementary play or plays to that. Um, you know, so the defense just can't zero in on one thing. So that's, you know, that's what good play callers like Josh uh, do is they're they're able to find that right balance between when to stay with something that's working uh, and when to go to something else because the defense is starting to um, anticipate or overplay um, something you've had success with. Great. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for your patience there. Yeah, you're welcome, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, everyone. All right. Great. Talk to you tomorrow.